and welcome to another edition of the Work to Wealth podcast. And today we are so excited to have with us Miss Erica Etienne. Erica is a best-selling author, film producer, speaker, ministry leader, and entrepreneur. Erica's heart is to be a vessel that reignites faith in the people of God and compels them to actively pursue an authentic and intimate relationship with him. She has a passion to teach others how to hear and properly obey the voice of God as well as activate the voices of the spirit. Erica, hello, hello, hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Work to Wealth podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. So please share a little more with the listeners about who you are, what you do, how this all came about. Okay. So, you know, really I just provide a space for Christian women to connect their stories to their calling and reclaim their power, purpose, and peace. And so whether that is through a book, whether that is through a, um, conversation, a workshop, a retreat, which is my true passion is to take them away uh, and pour into them for a few days uh, so that they can really just emerge into who they are called to be. Um, It's just my hope that everybody, but especially women, would really know that they have meaning, their lives have meaning, and they have a purpose here, uh, and that God is actively speaking and ready to just lead them and guide them into into their calling. And so this just kind of came about, you know, I, I got young, I got married really young at the age of 18, the first time, uh, against my mother's will, against his parents' will. Um, and, but, you know, I was 18, I thought I knew everything. And so, you know, the, that, that marriage ended up being very tumultuous and abusive and, you know, nothing you imagine when you're envisioning yourself getting married. I couldn't have pictured getting married at 18, but I was in the military and everybody was married. So it didn't seem like such a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a piece, you know, pieces of your spirit, if you, if you're in a domestic violence type of relationship, your spirit begin, begins to dwindle. Yeah. Your self-esteem yeah. dissipates. You start to question who you are. Uh, you lose your identity, you name it. And so what really came out of that is just like the knowledge that I didn't know who I was going into it. I didn't know who God had called me to be. And so I put that responsibility in the hands of someone else. Um, and when someone isn't equipped to take care of you and to love you and to really be uh, their best selves, you know, I, I gave him the power that God had. Let me just put it that way. I, I really literally put him above God. And because of that, uh, it left space for that amount of damage to be done. And so uh, I walked out of that one. I walked out of that marriage uh, right into another one, actually, and remarried and was involved in the same same cycle. But the problem the second time was that almost cost me my life. And so having survived that incident um, that could have left my children abandoned, uh, I really had to take a hard look at me and decide what's missing. <laughs> you know, what is this void that you keep trying to fill? Right. And... Um, what was the wake up call though in that that even helped you to even stop the pause to say, okay, I need to look at that to see what this void is? Because of course, we have women 
um, who have been in or are in those situations. And it's obvious that the abuse and whatever, you know what doesn't feel good. You know yeah. it's not good. You know it's not a good situation. But it's like, okay, how is it that they can uh, make the turn to get out or stop enough to isolate themselves to figure out, you know, really what is this and what is it that I do to get out of, you know, what's going on and stop going in the same cycle and situation. So it's really, really challenging, right? Because if you're so brave enough to tell anyone that you're going through this, um, you fear the response, right? So for a long time, I never said anything, not even in my first marriage, I wasn't saying anything. But then there gets this lonely point where you wonder, does anyone care? Like, does anyone notice? And so um, I would confide in my mom and my sister. And of course, they want to naturally come rescue me, right? Um, But being uh, battered women's syndrome, I'm like, no, he's sorry, he didn't mean it, he apologized, no, no big deal. Um, so when I left the first marriage, it was really because my best friend's mother um, was murdered by her husband um, in a violent situation. And it scared me enough to say, that could be me. And she told me, she was like, I don't want this to be you, but it could happen if you wow. stay in this situation. And so um, between that situation and uh, the judge in a matter concerning us and, and an incident he had that had nothing to do with me uh the judge in the courtroom said i'm going to help you get out of this situation so she basically created a circumstance where he couldn't come home and in that time frame is when my best friend's mom passed so it made it it wasn't that i had decided wholeheartedly it was kind of like okay the space has been created and this isn't getting better so let me go right Mm -hmm. the second time Um, so the second time when, uh, there was an incident that occurred with my second husband that, um, where he nearly strangled me to death. And so I survived that incident and the doctor even let me know, you know, there's all this commotion. Doctor let me know, like, I really should be putting a toe tag on you. So whoever you're praying to be thankful because you shouldn't be here. Wow. And so once my mom got into town, of course, they contacted my family. My mom comes and she gets my stuff packed up and she tells me. If you go back here, if you come back here, I'm taking your kids because they don't get a choice. You know, you can choose where you want to be. They don't get to choose, mm-hmm. but they won't be here living in danger. Um, and I love my children. So there was no way I was going to risk leaving them. Um, but then also the, the humbling piece is I, she took me away from where I was, relocated me to my brother um, where she thought I'd be the safest. And I was sleeping on my nephew's bunk bed and I was like, this can't be my life. I have success. You know, I have an education. I had a career, you know, I had got out of, I was no longer on active duty, but I had a great, great career. Um, and it's like, wow, how am I on somebody's bunk bed? Like this cannot be all that God has for me. There's no way I know I was created for more, more than this. And how did I get here? And I think that there's a piece of me that was willing to admit that, I was in those situations because I was looking for something. And I don't think every woman's story is the same, um, but it was clear to me when I start calling myself dumb despite the degree in my hand and thinking that I'm stupid despite my accomplishments and think that, you know, 
I'm questioning everything that I know is false because of what someone said to me. I needed to start asking some tough questions of myself and to God about why am I here? And so for me, it was there's some inkling, just a little bit of hope that this was not the end for me. And it couldn't be. There was no way. I was raised better than had a better example than that. So I would say the turning point was really just um, finding yourself with nothing and um, having to start over, but being determined not to sleep on no one else's bunk bed. <laughs> right, right. Freaky, noisy bunk bed. Right. So you moved on, obviously, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you and I met, I know when you and I met, we were actually at a conference sitting beside one another, did not know each other before then, um, but ended up sitting beside one another at this conference where we were both on our entrepreneurial journey and trying to figure out this, you know, figure this thing out. You know, um, I know I had already been in business or doing business, but just putting all the pieces together and just looking for others who were moving in the same because that's the thing, you know, we have this silo that we in when we're working um, by ourselves or for ourselves, but you always um, want to connect or look for the connection to others that are doing the same thing. So we ended up at this conference. Yeah. Um, so tell tell us more about how you ended up at the conference, you know, and when you were on your journey um, to business or were you even in business at that time? Like, it was kind of like a, a switch, right? So I had previous, prior to that, I had owned a wedding and event planning company and I had owned it for several years, um, have run it successfully without social media. Like I was on Instagram a little bit, on Facebook a little bit, but really I was running that business off word of mouth and having no issues. Um, and so, uh, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Um, the, the deeper desire for me was to really help women. And I have been involved in women's ministry, especially given my history. I wanted to make sure other women knew that they could, their life could turn around because mine had drastically turned around, remarried into a healthy, you know, a healthy marriage, um, had more kids. And so that's the thing. Okay. To close that gap. Cause I don't want us to miss that part. Okay. So you went on um, from the second marriage, but then eventually you remarried. Um, I did. And, um, and so in this time, I guess that's where the, the business stuff was basically yes. the incubation period for the business, but okay. Yes. So, so yes, I, I left after that second marriage, went through some healing, counseling, therapy, everything, trying to just get it together, got it together, got remarried. Um, and within, in that time frame, started the wedding and event planning business, but I did not love it. Um, I wanted to do more and felt like I could have a greater impact doing something else. I just didn't know what to call it or how to do it, um, but I didn't want to be confined to just doing it in church. And so I was at the point that we met, which was 2017, I was just searching for answers. And I remember telling my husband, I don't know what it is about this conference, but I feel like the questions I have are the answers would be there because I had followed different people and you get a little terminology here and a little bit of this and you do this free thing, but that you don't connect all the dots. So I went to, to the conference. How did you come across her online though? How was it that you found her? 
me one of my friends. Oh, oh, that's exactly it. So a friend of mine from grad school is old friends with Abrielle. Okay. And so when she saw um, what I was trying, I think her and I had had a conversation. She was like, you need to follow Abrielle. Like she, she knows everything about what you're trying to do. And so I followed quietly, not saying anything, not being active in the group or anything, you know, um, but when the conference promotion came out, I said, I have to go, I have to be there. And so uh, it was a Christmas gift. My husband bought my ticket, you know, and everything and registered to go. And I went by myself. I was trying to drag all my friends. Nobody was trying to go. They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know? Right, right. <laughs> I had to go to a business conference. Um, and so I went by myself with no knowing no one uh, who was going to be there. And um, it was just life-changing. It was exactly what I thought. It was all the answers that I needed. I really felt like the solutions were within my grasp. And, but I did not know what to call the business that I wanted to get into. I had no idea how to serve the people. Um, and so joining a mastermind is what helped bring all that together. All these ideas and concepts I had uh, came together through working with, you know, a coach and uh, working with the mastermind. So you were just um, in search of, Okay, who you were or, you know, what was it that, I guess, what was the next thing or the next mm -hmm. step from your event planning business? Um, yes. Since you weren't fully fulfilled by the event planning business, I mean, you had done it or you were doing mm -hmm. it, but yeah. uh, you still really weren't. Money working. too. <laughs> oh, well, okay. But, but you know, walk away. Or knew it was something else that you were seeking on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, so the thing is, the planning process and everything that it takes to put a wedding or event together was, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of work, um, and it starts. Well, how did the event planning come up, though? How did that come up? How did I get into that business? Yeah. Probably watching one too many wedding shows and then wanting to okay. create, uh, but I've always been an over-the-top birthday planner, right? So my kids' birthdays, I always did the most. And then... Um, I think the bug hit sometime, I think it was like 2012 or something, um, where I was just like, you know what? I just want to help women have amazing weddings, even though they don't have a lot of money. You know, the budget bribe was my initial entry point to that. And I did that. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that budget brides want um, million dollar weddings, even though they don't have $5, right? And I was like, okay, budget. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm cheating myself. Uh, so I got out of the budget bride business and started charging my worth on uh, weddings and events and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that was it. I think because I'm naturally a type A personality, project management comes natural to me that it just felt like an easy win mm -hmm. to be in that space. And um, I knew I could, I knew I could get you what you you wanted, right? I knew I could make you have the wedding of your dreams. Um, although in the process, I would be grimacing because I did not, it was, it was just not satisfying. When that wedding is over, I'm like, okay. And I found myself even getting caught up in, um, you know, <laughs> you're married. So, you know, right before the wedding, these brides like, I don't know if I want to marry him. He's driving me crazy, you, you know, or this <laughs> And you, then I'm praying with them and, and encouraging them and talking to them about marriage and how things will get better. And, but that's the part I enjoyed, right? Was okay. Okay. Talking to 
even after they got married and just still trying to encourage them. I still have relationships with almost every bride that I work with um, for that reason. And so I knew there was more to that than just executing the wedding. Right. But then it was just figuring out how is it now that you bring that to fruition or what what exactly was missing. So you go to the conference, you're sitting there and you're listening and, you know, I'm sure at that point, light bulbs, you know, are going off and um, you have all these ideas swimming in your mind now about (laughs) what's next. Um, So then from there, you went on, obviously, um, you got more involved in the program, but then you birthed the women's, your retreat. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you have any other classes or sessions? Because I hear you talk, you mentioned earlier that you were mentoring women all along. Um, yeah, I have been. Your experience or what you had gone through, right. So I had done like some little tiny getaways with like a handful of women with no promotion, just like inviting them. And I was paying for everything. So paying out of pocket to, to host them. Um, or I would take them and they pay for the hotel, but a lot of the other stuff I... There was no charge, you know, just get yourself there and I'll take care of everything else. Um, and so, I, and I have been doing that for a long time. Um, and then through my church, I had a group of women that I would do Bible study with. And it went from being like four women to 40 something women to 60 something women. And it was no longer a space to meet in my home. We had to transition to the church, but they would just keep bringing more and more people, but no one was leaving. And so it kind of, um, actually in talking to, you know, my coach, she's like, there's something to that. There's something that you're giving that is making them come back and they're not leaving. And so I'm like, okay, so help me figure out what it is. Cause I don't know, besides the spirit of the Lord, I don't know what's drawing them back, right. you know? Um, and so then we began to develop, you know, just a program and a process. So the retreat, even doing it to that scale, wasn't even necessarily a, a vision. Um, the vision that I had initially, I just wanted to get the women together. Um, so doing it on that level, even though I had done it on a smaller scale, but doing it on that level, I had no idea of my potential, you know, of what, what could be um, when you remove the limits. And so it, and then it continued to just be an amazing experience year after year. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so with yours now, so you've gone from not just quote unquote doing ministry, but doing ministry and being able to charge a fee. Yes. Those items, you know, where, um, really where some get stuck you know, and one in setting boundaries, but then two in being able to monetize what has commonly been known as something that you would just be doing in the name of ministry versus doing as a business. Mm-hmm. So how is it that you were able to navigate that journey, you know, and go into that phase of it, you know, obviously in successively you've done that. I mean, you've turned this into a whole, you're a film producer, you're a best-selling author, but all of this kicked off from the retreats, right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So what, one of the main things I did initially is I kept it apart from my church stuff. So mm-hmm. no one in church, they were trying to figure out, what are you doing? We, we're seeing you doing something. You're not telling us about it. I'm like, 
I'm not you find out about it all speak to the people though about that though because it's natural for us to I mean just separate the money piece right now but yeah. it's natural mm-hmm. we get involved in things which is how we get um drained and bogged down when we're on this entrepreneurial journey because you want to include family friends and all that you're thinking that every everybody is your mm-hmm. Um, customer client or whatever because a lot of times I mean because you know I, I'm in ministry I've been in ministry but a lot of times we we are giving 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 anyway because that's what we do you know at church and ministry and all of that um, but now when it's time to when you're going into business and you're still doing some of those same things because that is who you are yeah. business-wise yeah. as far as the love of what you do you're still doing some of the same things but now you're over here and you want to charge not just because it's your time your work your value and all of that but you're charging now because it's also i mean it's a business yeah um and you're monetizing that or whatever and you're learning now to do that effectively but everybody is not your client. And those same church people or the church people, that's not your base. That that's, mm-hmm. that are not the ones who want that service. Right. And I just had to make the lines very clear. So when people, when the church people found out what I was doing and they would ask, I tell them, if you find out what I'm doing because you're online and you want to, you want to register to attend, you can, but this is completely separate at church. Any any church sponsored event that I'm hosting, you come to that. And if the church charges a fee, they charge a fee. If they don't, you come for free. You want to be in my life group, Bible study stuff that I do on behalf of the church. That is one thing. But what I do for power, purpose, and peace, that is, that is business. That's kingdom ministry. That's kingdom entrepreneurship. And, um, and I, and I did not target those people. Yeah, right. I did not target them because again, that's not necessarily who's looking for the service or the business. Exactly. You know, yep. So I got real clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got clear on my avatar very early. Right. Um, and and just had to focus my attention on what is the mission of this. The retreat is this is what the intent is. Um, there is overhead costs associated with this. This is not a church sponsored event, and so. It is what it is, and 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 I feel like anybody who questioned it or felt like it should be free because God's name is mentioned, will take it up with Him, you know. But this is not this this. What, there is to be no confusion about what's church and what's business. And um, I will say I didn't have very many people find any confusion in that. Um, I didn't try to market it like a church event. I didn't try to market it as anything but. Listen, the Lord is present with us as we accomplish this thing. Uh, and, and I try to make it very clear to people that the gospel is free, right? Salvation is free. I cannot charge you to, to introduce you to Christ or to talk to you. I mean, I, there's no charge for, for Jesus, right? Right, right? But if you want to come to an event <laughs> that I host, um, uh, you know, and that has a cost associated with it, that is where the occurs um, because that is not us preaching the gospel and that is not us offering salvation and that's where people get hung up they think because they hear god oh it's supposed to be free well that's good no you know and we pay we are okay paying paying the big names i won't name them on your podcast but we all know the mega preachers the the 
uh, the people who have spanned decades, and we have no problem investing in their books, That's their Bibles, right. their conferences, their retreats. And so we're, God's no respecter of persons. So even if I'm just little, little me, <laughs> you know, local person, um, it's the same thing. Same investment that we make in them, we can make in one another. So, right. But you make a very good point with that. Um, even looking at other um, pastors and pastors or whatever who also run a business or have a business or have been able to monetize, you know, by being authors, um, their conferences, classes, and all of that. And there is a fee and a cost to that. That's yeah. you know totally separate. So, um, and folks can easily see that because a lot of times, obviously, they are of a different magnitude level or whatever. So it's like all, all almost automatic, and you don't question it. But somebody else that's up and coming, you know, either they're you know, looking like real, even worth it, or why even charging, you know, and or they're totally disregarding. You know, you as a business person, and it's mm -hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm not trying to pay that, it shouldn't cost them. Okay, all right, but that's a part in recognizing and knowing your value and your worth, and then you're just moving on and just knowing that, okay, you're just not my client, you're not my target, you know. So, you go on from the retreat, which is power, purpose, peace. <laughs> You know, yeah. your, well, your retreat is Emerge, right? Emerge. Mm -hmm. But um, all in the name of Power, Purpose, Peace. So how did you come up with Power, Purpose, and Peace? Because those were the three things that I feel like the Lord restored to me when I finally transitioned and I emerged out of the darkness that I had been in. And I feel like those were the things that he gave me back he gave i got my power back which in fact i always had it was always in me i just began to acknowledge it he gave me my a purpose it became clear that that i had a purpose on this work in this earth um and that he had a calling for me and there was more work for me to do um because that's why i survived that incident and then my peace you know if it, living through what i lived through is traumatizing um, I had nightmares. I looked over my shoulder for a long time, especially when somebody had a plan to take you out and you make it and they make it. You know, it, it, I looked over my shoulder for a, a long time. And so, you know, God gave me my peace back, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so those are the three things that I have found that time and time again in ministry that women lose one of the three uh, at some point in their journey. So whether that's they lose and don't acknowledge the power that's within them, whether they don't know their power, or they cannot operate in their gifts with peace, you know, whether it's because they're wearing too many hats and they feel like they're compromising or they are uh, being selfish by doing something for themselves, not practicing self-care, you name it, I feel like there's something that attacks their peace, um, their peace of mind or their daily outward piece of, you know, because of their household dynamics or what have you. So God gave me those three things. And then he, he pushed me to emerge, to come out of the shadows and walk into the light. And, and that's the same thing I want every other woman to do. That's good. And a beautiful retreat. Very nice. Very nice. Well put together. A great location in the mountains, like so serene. Everything was, I mean, it was just really good. Um, and you had another question, but you actually touched on it when I was going to ask, okay, how, what were some ways or 
I guess, information that you gave the women at the retreat to actually walk in their power and, you know, and to get back to or to get in touch with their purpose, thereby now having peace. But you touched on that with the self-care, you know, um, and then I know there was a few other things. Knowing who they are, yes, definitely. We did a lot of work on identity uh, because you need to know who you are. Who who are you outside of the quick labels that you come up with? Correct. You know, it's easy to say I'm a mom, I'm a wife, but who are you? You know, that was a big thing. Knowing that you have a story to tell. Everybody has a story. Has a story to tell. Say that again. Everybody has a story to tell. And so knowing what that story is, because... Here's the thing, so many people will think they have, I've had so many women say, I don't have a testimony or I don't have a story because nothing traumatic happened to me. No, but you've lived. And because you lived, there's a story inside of you and that story needs to be told to somebody else, you know? And so we talk, we talk a lot about that. Uh, and just really taking action in who you are, putting your faith in action, because we meet a lot of believers that say they have a lot of faith and they don't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. It's all talk. And so uh, my whole point is don't just say, don't just talk about it, be about it. Show that you have it. And, um, you know, so we equip them in all of those areas. Right. Um, and with most women or with women, period, even if you are not on an entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. as you can hear in um, the conversation with Erica and I today, this is just about you knowing who you are, period, as an individual, you know, um, and separating this from business, but just with whatever you're going through, you know, emotionally and all of that, just getting back and tapping into you and who you are and your power, recognizing your power as a, as a woman, you know, and um, as an individual, period, you know, who was born into this life, just knowing who you are and whose you are. You know, um, and taking back control of that because a lot of times we do give that power over to mm-hmm. someone else, you know, without recognizing that at first because for some of us, naturally, we just yield to others, but mm-hmm. you yield to the right person, shall I say the wrong person, you know, and they try to take your power. They take, they can't really take your power away, but to you, they've now taken away you know, your power or your ability to make decisions for you, you know, and then you, again, you just go down this whole um, rabbit hole or trail or this cycle until it just drains you and just mentally takes you out of a place and a space where you even know who you are. You don't even recognize who you are, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but one one thing you said importantly in the beginning was you were given that space, in that time. So it's important for those to recognize when you are given, you know, Mm -hmm. that space and time and taking take advantage of that. Then at that point, you know, to not come up with your plan because you should already have a plan or have something that you've already um, sort of devised or thought about. But now that you have, you had the plan, but now you're given that time and that space. Now it's time for you to run with that. And, you know, and take back your power, you know, and yes. what's that? So, um, you know, yeah. in hearing uh, God and the voice of God, knowing that 
people are placing people are lives for certain reasons, situations, circumstances, things that you're reading. Like he speaks to you in a variety of ways. And so you have to know his voice and know when he's speaking to you to know, okay, yeah, let me make this move and let me do this. Let me do that. You know, and that's regardless in life or in business. But yes. the point is we have to take action, recognize that and take action. So the women, they've gone, they went to the retreat. Um, and at some point now you go on to becoming this author, self-proclaimed author. So, and, and filming, not just an author, but you went into documenting, you had a whole documentary and filming it like um, studio thing and all of that. So how did that come about? Yeah. You know, you have dreams, right? Like, so it's so amazing how, uh, you know, with all the life change, I could dream again. And so in those dreams, I, I always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to get into film and uh, didn't go to school for any of that. But it was such a liberating time to say, you know, there are no limits. I can do whatever God says I can do. I can do whatever I put my mind to. And so, you know, I, I, vision, I was the visionary author for an anthology. So uh, several women um, that attended the retreat and some who did not agreed to join and partner with me. And so we wrote um, Women Unveiled, 13 Stories of Restoration to Power, Purpose, and Peace. And there's just a myriad of stories. Like I said, um, not every story is a story of trauma. And so the book is a compilation of those things so that the everyday woman can pick up that book and find herself in those pages uh, and just see the hope that lies there and how these women restored their power, purpose, and peace. And then the documentary came about because I told y'all I'll do everything over the top, right? So birthday <laughs> party, anything. If there's if this is the bar, I'm doing it up here. Yeah. And so um You're I'm the events person, so I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, these stories can't just be read. Somebody needs to see, somebody needs to put a voice to that. And not everyone likes to read. So how else can we tell a story? And um you know, and make this more impactful. And so then here comes the documentary. And then it was just like God showered down the blessing because the film, the, the, I got the crew, you know, uh, they kind of just found me. I, it wasn't even like I was on a, on a big hunt. I was just kind of moving in anticipation. Like, okay, I'm going to set up the photo, the photo shoot. I'm going to set up the makeup artist, set all this stuff, you know, and the, and the photographer helped me to get with the studio and you name it. And then my church at the time was like, oh, you can shoot it here, you know? And so it just, everything began to come well, together. Talk to the people though, because once you made the decision to do mm -hmm. everything yeah. fell into place or, you know, and not that things won't happen, yeah. things will, you know, but yeah. the point is once you stepped up and out and just said, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, then, you know, things just started happening. Yeah. It did. And I, and I would say, I, again, type A personality, right? I'd rather have the full plan from A to Z. And that's what hindered me for a long time because I'm like, God, I don't know all the pieces. I need all the pieces before I can make a move. Uh, but then I, I just reached a point of that being an excuse and a reason to procrastinate. So it's like I, helped, I hosted the retreat. I pitched the book opportunity. The women immediately jumped on it. Fast forward. You know, retreat number two is underway. This bigger and better than the last one, you know, um, took on some clients to teach them what I know, you know. And right, that's that right. You went into, this evolved into coaching. Coaching. Yes. Um, 
produced a film in this all while still working at nine to five nine to five still had three children at the time and a husband and enter and leading women's ministry (laughs) so somewhere in there all right and uh you know then we launched a book and then hosted a screening of the film in atlanta and it was just really just an amazing time and it's just continued to evolve and progress but it took just doing what I did have at my disposal, right? Just moving on what I did have and not worried about what I didn't have. So um, from, again, not having, didn't know who was going to shoot the documentary, but I was like, all right, good. I got this part done. I know what I want it to be. So we'll check this box. And then just keeping it moving. And everything just kind of fell into place at the right time. Right. So we know everything is not perfect. Um, I have one other question probably after this, but everything is not perfect. Perfect. Um, and for my listeners, of course, you know, I always want them to hear of how the women have basically travailed, how you've gone on, you know, in spite of, and yeah. just still accomplished your mission and the goal ultimately. So even when you had hiccups, even when there were problems and issues and, you know, we all had those times where it's like, oh my God, okay, this is like a whole lot and what did I get myself into or whatever. What have you used mentally or what looking back on it, what did you do to move on from that or to get over that? Yeah, so let me just give a very specific example. I made this commitment and then my mom got sick. My mom, who was my everything, <laughs> got uh, diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I ran straight head first into a brick wall because I'm like, I can't function. I got to know she's okay. Right. Um, but then what I had to draw on is why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why did you say you wanted to do this? Uh, and what would your mother want you to do? You know, and she's perfectly healthy today and cancer free, praise God she would want me to keep going, you know? And so I said, all right. And and I'm sorry. And at the same time, within days, my aunt had passed away. My favorite aunt. Wow. My favorite aunt on my dad's side had passed away. So it felt like the world just kind of crumbled just as I got my confidence, right? But I had to draw on why. Why would I, why am I doing this? And what would they want me to do? And both of them would want me to keep going. And so some days it was through the tears. Some days it was doing nothing at all um, and only thinking about or writing about what I was going to do. But there was just some kind of movement, even if the movement was only happening in my mindset and what I was telling myself I had to accomplish. And, um, People invested and supported me to bring these things to fruition, and I did not want to disappoint them uh, by not following through. So um, when I look at my kids and I think about the importance of legacy, it's those things that push me forward, you know, and to say, you've got to do it. You've got to look outside yourself. This is not about you, uh, and it's not about only you, and you've got to push. You've got to push. And um, I'm pretty self-motivated, so, you know, that plays a part, too. But there were hard days, and there were tears, and there were days where things didn't make sense, and days where I felt inadequate, or days where I felt like it was too much work dealing with, Mm -hmm. you know, the nuances of entrepreneurship. But um, there's a bigger picture, you know, than the current circumstances, and that's what I had to tell myself. 
Right. Um, and prayerfully, you know, all is well, you know, um, with that and with the situation. And your mother is here, you know, whole everything, you know, is um is going fine. And but just thinking back on all of it, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. You know, you can take a pause when you need to take a pause and not that you process that immediately when you were in it because so many other things are going on. But at the same time, just knowing um, and speaking to the listeners, you can make that look like whatever it is that you want it to look like because it is your business. Like it's yeah. your business. Um, so if you need to change, switch some things up, then that we can do. And we, we know that we are, this interview, we're doing this in a time of the Rona, Corona, mm-hmm. coronavirus, and for those that are in business and working for themselves, there were some things that they had to shift and pivot and do, but in order to maintain your business and sustain, you know, yourself, it was like, okay, now, what is it now that I need to do? What does business look like now in order for me to continue to succeed, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to provide for myself? So it's very important to um, the ladies, um, my ladies that are listening, that yes, you do figure out what that thing is for you. You know, um, if you need to change, shift, and pivot, do that in your business um, because that will happen and that will come up. But as you can see with Erica and with other um, guests and ladies that I've had on the show, you just do you and you know, you just keep it moving and all of that. So, um, Thank you. And then they have to the other questions, but I answered that. But it was just, and, you know, surrounding the whole um, your aha moment, moment mm-hmm. that you had, and just in you being able to continue, you know, moving forward in your business and doing all that you do, especially with you working. That's what it was with you working nine to five, being a mom, having another baby, your mom getting sick, and all of that. But it's like you continue to still move forward in your and doing those things that you were doing, you know, and separate from that, it's just like us. If we were just solely working a nine to five job, you wouldn't quit your job because that's providing for you. You would not quit your job. You may take time off, you know, you take leave. Um, if you have that available, whatever, sometimes for, for some people, they were taking leave without pay or whatever. Okay. So it's the same thing on the business side. Yeah you don't stop doing business. You just you know, reassess and figure out, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Keep it moving. If you're actually doing, that's why you need to be doing what you love and what you want to do and create the business for you and how that, what it looks like for you, not for anyone else. Exactly. But this has been great, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know, any last minute thoughts or anything to take the ladies out? What does worth to wealth mean to you? Worth to wealth. Uh, uh, it, it, I I wish I came up with it. No, but um, <laughs> no. What it really means to me though is that it's the key. Your worth is the key to your wealth. When you know who you are and what's inside of you, um, and the value is that it's innate in you. The value that you have it. it you were born with it. Um, it's the key to your wealth. When you don't know who you are 
Right. Wealth is unattainable. And it's not even just as wealth in monetary value, but wealth of life, okay. uh, wealth of spirit, uh, and everything um, that attribute wealth of love, you name it. When you know your worth, you know who you are, the wealth is endless, right? That's the difference between That's being it. rich and wealthy. Rich I people know. have a lot of money. Finally. Wealthy people, it is endless, right? They can't find an end to that. And so we want to be wealthy in all areas. So work to wealth just really is a reminder uh, to me of who I am and what I get as a result of who I am. That was great. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. So thanks again for joining us, Erica. And to the listeners, we thank you for listening um, to the podcast today. And we look forward to connecting with you all on the next recording of Worth to Wealth. Bye.